He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do so. Follow us on all of our social media. We are on Facebook at Zero Network on Facebook and of course my personal page Dr. Lorenzo T. Neal go there and visit um, there and get updates and all the quirky things that I do also on Twitter we have the show handle at Zero Radio and my personal handle at Lorenzo T. Neal on Twitter we're available on Instagram all the other social medias if you'd like to send us an email you can send it to info.zme at gmail.com. That's info.zme at gmail.com or Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. Anyway, you get in touch with us, with us. We are grateful and we're thankful for you. We've been having a lot of issues with <laughs> getting this thing going today, but we're excited that we're able to do it and we're glad that you're joining us on this illuminating journey. So we got a lot to talk about. Um, want to talk about um, a couple of things. Uh, first, I want to – Kanye West is, again, uh, um, some on my radar, <laughs> I guess you could say. We're going to talk about, about his upcoming album um, and all of that, as well as some issues here regarding race, discrimination, and racism, and um, the moral imperative of Christians – who find themselves <laughs> in situations such as happened here in Mississippi recently. So we'll be talking about that. So um, this is being recorded live. So if you want to call in, you can do so. The number to call in is 347-237-5230. Um, that's the number, of course. Um, if you're listening to it later, you'll find it on the Zero Network page, so you can leave your comments there. But let's jump into this thing. Kanye West is back in the news. Well, actually, um, he's been staying in the news. 
he's an entertainer. And because he is an entertainer, he has to stay relevant. And uh, one of the ways he has found to stay relevant is through religion, through Christianity. And you know, I've talked about this on several times this year. Uh, January, he began his Sunday service. And uh, it has blossomed and is becoming a congregation of sorts in and of its own. Um, what was once just an inclusive, I mean, exclusive invite only uh, observance of music that encumbered uh, the gospel as well as our secular um, breaths of, of music. Uh, you know, you hear he would do renditions of gospel songs, and he'd do renditions of secular songs that had uh, uh, been um, changed to reflect the, the gospel uh, uh, arena. And um, it, it garnered him more attention, um, thanks to his wife, Mrs. Kanye Kim Kardashian West, <laughs> Mrs. Kim Kardashian West, and and their children uh, who you know she would she would post um little snippets of the Sunday service on her Instagram account and of course her relatives were there and um it it it, it blew up really um after one of his um videos went viral of him uh doing uh one of the vamps from I think it was either Fred Hammond song or Israel Halton song I can't remember but it's a popular gospel song and I mean when that that clip came out and he was on his he was on the keyboard his hair was red and everybody in white and he's just all up in it I mean he was just it you know that went viral and people began to reconnect him and he he stated last year uh, that he had been reconverted to faith um, that by way of his um, friendship with Chance the Rapper. Both of them are from the Chicago area. Both of them uh, uh, early in their rap careers were very, uh, very deeply spiritual. Chance the Rapper <laughs> Chance the Rapper is very spiritual and it's, um, it, it uh, flows out into his music um, and uh, it's very inspirational, and he has no shame in, in in declaring his faith as part of his identity, and um, it has worked well for him. You know, it doesn't work well for a lot of secular artists, uh, particular rappers. <laughs> you know, talking about faith, there are pockets of them who do so, and there are some Christian rappers like Lecrae who have had some crossover success. And um, and and it's kind of weird. And I've talked about this before. The weirdness <laughs> of this uh, crossover thing between uh, gospel artists and secular art artists. Uh, you know, those who start out in the church and become secular artists, and those who uh, start out secular artists and go into the the gospel arena. It <laughs> it is one thing. It is it, something. But anyway, Conway. I mean Kanye. What is going on with me today? I'm saying Conway. I'm blah, 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 all that. But anyway, Kanye, um, last year, if you recall, had leaked that he was going to do a new album, and the new album was titled was to be titled Yande, Yandi, you know, a play on Gandhi. And uh, historically, Kanye has 
he's he's embedded religious symbolism or overtones into his music, primarily with that hit Jesus Walks. I mean, that was one of the biggest crossover hits in modern rap. And uh, when I say crossover, it was a secular that was being played on gospel stations like it was a gospel song and performed as such in his in his concerts. You know, it had the churchy feel to it. And so uh, he recon- he connects with Chance the Rapper, and through their friendship last year, he expressed the fact that he, you know, coming back to Chicago, reconnected him with his home as well as with his faith. And we saw this awkward thing developing Kanye. You know, not only was he was – he, <laughs> apparently he is a Trump supporter, um, but his – his Trump support kind of merged into, or morphed rather, I guess you can say, morphed into this uh, recommitment to his faith and a new or a rediscovered zeal for his his faith, uh, Christianity, particularly the black church experience, the black church worship experience. Now his mother was we you know you know his mother was very very uh, prominent in his upbringing in the church and uh, so he's returning to that. Um, but anyway, I said all that. His album Yande Yandi was supposed to have dropped last year and it didn't drop. Um, and uh, he leaked a couple of tracks off of it, but just last week. Um, his wife, Mrs. Kim Kardashian West, uh, uploaded a picture to her Instagram, and in the picture, it included a title, Jesus is King, with tracks, you know, name of tracks, and this is to be his latest album that will be released later this month. It's, supposed, it's scheduled to be released, I believe, September 27th or 28th, somewhere in there, the latter part of the month. And she leaked, she leaked it, and um, fans are excited, but some fans are also a bit concerned, uh, and and I can understand why they're concerned. Um, because last year he was supposed to drop, and he pushed it back, and it didn't drop at all, and the fans don't want a repeat of last year. They're hoping that this resurgence of his faith that is being explored and I dare say exploited in his Sunday services um, will not disappoint them. They're hoping that it won't disappoint him. They're, they're hoping that when he drops this album, it would be a reflection of what he's experiencing spiritually. It'll be a reflection of 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 his um, transformation, I guess you can say, from a a music person, from a rapper to a guru, maybe even a preacher. And I've said this on occasion before. I believe. Uh, there's rappers like DMX, Kanye West, Run from Run DMC, 
a chance rapper um and uh I even say Rizza from um Wu Tang and many many others LL Cool J you can kind of put him in there cuz he was going down that road of elevated minds and you know more <laughs> exploring the the deeper spiritual side and you see where he is right now <laughs> he's not making albums he's making uh television shows but it has been rare that we've had rappers who were able to connect to that spiritual side and not just connect with it, but also articulate it in their music to where it can be received by their their audience, by their fans. They don't take offense. They And, and I believe, honestly, you know, I see it as prophetic. I, I see it as <laughs> anointed, if you want to call it, if you want to use those terms those those religious christian terms yeah i would see these persons that i call as prophetic as anointed as apostolic even in their approach to meeting the spiritual demands or desirings of people who listen to the music because music has always been a deeply spiritual um phenomenon it, it doesn't matter what what kind of music you listen to? I listen to blues, and I I can hear the overtones of the, the religious experience in the blues music. And I, I you know I I I am a musician. I play professionally or amateurish professionally. <laughs> you know I, I did the gigs and you know I majored in music. I at one time had aspirations of becoming a professional performer. Uh, I was going to be a jazz trombone and the like of J.J. Johnson, Cal Winding, and uh, Trombone Shorty. <laughs> I, yeah, I had high hopes. Oh, God, look at me now. But anyway, um, and and I can testify from, from my personal experience of having played music and having, having composed music, having an arranged music, having been a band director and seeing the ecstatic experiences of students once they were getting into the music. It is very similar to a religious experience. Matter of factly, uh, I never forget I was in seminary and uh, um, one of the persons we were in school with, I was in class with at the time was uh, uh, he was not a preacher, but he, you know, he and he was a believer, but he was kind of wavering in his faith, but he still felt that he needed to go to seminary. And anyway, in our interactions, we were talking about spiritual experiences and one whatnot. And um he stated uh that one of the deeply most deeply moving religious experiences he had was at a concert, at a secular concert, and then the professor uh uh the instructor brought up the same point he said that uh he had a uh, an acquaintance who had gone to a concert, a particular jazz concert, and said the entire moment that they were in the moment of the performance, it felt just as ethereal and uh, as a religious church experience, as a black church experience, as a matter of fact. And um, I, I see this is similar to what Kanye is drawing from, the the idea that many of these persons who are being exposed to his Sunday service are being exposed to a facet of religious expression that was for a large part um, just kind of um, uh, 
it was it was manufactured as as primitive. It was manufactured as as um as, as funny. You know, the black church experience. If you if you watch any show, any any secular movie or television show, they always have this this scenario of the black church experience. It's going to be somebody shouting. The preacher's going to be <laughs> round, or if they're not round, they're going to be uh, <laughs> they're going to be funny, and you know they're going to have to have a a tune of sorts. And you know that <laughs> it, it, it's just it's 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 a unique worship experience. It's, it's a unique unique experience in and of itself. If you've never gone to a black church, and it doesn't matter what. <laughs> it is. It, you you could find it in any Protestant black church. You're going to find um, facets of the same thing. You're going to find the preacher that, even if they are well educated, they're going to have a moment where they're going to get happy. You're going to find a church. Uh, you're going to find a service where uh, there's a, a elevated sense of emotion that where people will feel the spirit. <laughs> and then, like the old folks say, I wouldn't serve a God. I couldn't feel sometimes. And you'll find, particularly in the Pentecostal experience, you'll find the shouting, the dancing, and and the revelry of of the deliverance service. You you'll find all of that, and it's been lampooned over and over from the Blues Brothers with James Brown as the preacher, and doing the slide on the stage, and and um. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and one of the blues brothers uh running down the aisle and and turning back you know he did backflips down the aisle and then he starts shouting and <laughs> and they say i see the light anyway it's been it's been lampooned so many times but that's the uniqueness of the black church worship experience and Kanye is bringing that to people who would not have been exposed to it or who may have been exposed to it. And it, as they grew older, they were turned off by it. And they decided that they would not, you know, engage in it because it was all fake. <laughs> that the, the emotions were authentic, but the people were not as authentic as the emotions that they were expressing. And I got to tell you, uh, I've been in church all my life. And I have to agree with a lot, <laughs> including my own self. There have been times, I, you know, I, I said it before, I used to practice my shout. I used to practice my dance. I wanted to make sure that before I went to the service, I knew exactly what moves I was going to be making. I didn't know what the carpet, if the church was going to have carpet or wood floor, but I was going to get my step on. <laughs> I don't do that now, <laughs> but <laughs> there was a time. There was a time. <laughs> but anyways... <laughs> So Kanye's album, Jesus is King, is scheduled to drop. And um the um I and I, and I found this article in the Christian uh Christian Post, so you can go there and um find the article. Kim Kardashian shares Kanye West's upcoming album title titled Jesus is King. Um and some of the lyrics, I mean, some of the song titles, there's one that's called Water. And um, uh, that video of them performing the word, that that, ty- that track, Water, was leaked. They performed it at the uh, Coachella Festival where he did the early morning 
worship service. <laughs> he did the sunrise service, as we call it back in the day, the sunrise service at Coachella. And um, with his Sunday service, and they premiered this song, Water, and the video got leaked. And uh, Water is going to be on this upcoming album. And I listened to it, and I listened to some of the w- lyrics. And, you know, lyrics are very esoterical in, 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 that, in the idea that in one line he states that we're made 90% of water. And we ought to be reflecting uh, of that. We ought to be able to flow. And and, and again, I'm not. I, I have not seen the lyrics explicitly. I'm just going back by what I heard. But anyway, Kanye is going through something, and um, it could be a psychotic, a psychotic episode that is expressing itself in religious articulation, particularly the black church worship experience. That could be it. He's bringing everybody into his delusion. That could be it. He could have he could be losing his mind in front of everybody and bringing everyone in here to his delusion, or he could be authentically uh, reconnecting with a faith that his mama gave him or showed him. Could be. We don't know. We we really don't know. But you know, Kanye has had peculiar behaviors in the past, and um, that has garnered him the attention that he wants. And in always leading up to an album drop. So this could be just another manipulation of of his fans to ensure that they buy his next album. In addition to buying his latest addition of his shoes or whatever it may be we don't know his motive but what i do know his brother is bad in doing it he is he is a genius <laughs> i can't believe i said that but he truly is he truly is uh masterful when it comes to this getting the exposure that is necessary to promote not only himself his brand but also his music. And uh, I don't know the church has become as exploitative as that. Uh, in some cases, there are those who have or who are just like that in the church, uh, in the church construct, let me put it that way. But uh, it, it is just something. It, it is just something to be aware of and kind of, it just makes me Admire him a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about him. But anyway, I I'm neither promoting nor not promoting his upcoming album. Uh, y'all be the judge. I just thought I'd share that and from my perspective. I I just find it very interesting, you know, very very interesting that he um would would do so. Look, I'm going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the idea of Christian racism and the moral imperative of faith in two incidents in particular. Um, one with the uh, event venue denying an interracial couple from using their event, and two with the sign on the church that said blacks who vote for Donald Trump have a mental illness. And those, both of those kind of have ruffled feathers 
ruffles a whole lot of feathers. So we'll talk about both of those when we come back from this break. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. Hey, who's using that? Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. I noticed it as soon as we moved into the new house. A lot of people have vertical blinds. A lot of people jumped off her bitch, would you? <sighs> he just seemed so different. You hungry? I'm okay. No? You got a little... I... Your cheek's always that rosy. How long has this been here? I, mean, I don't know. We moved in today. I mean... I'm becoming my... Uh, mother. Crumb, 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 crumb. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I just feel like those are Friday night shoulders and we want some Sunday morning. Well, I'm gonna take a bath. Parentamorphosis is a condition that occurs when a young person begins taking on more and more adult responsibility in their lives. Uh, for some people, like Stephen, that can trigger a change uh, where they begin to adopt qualities of one of their parents. Mm, that's off. I keep it. It's been hard. It's been hard. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo O'Neill, and we appreciate you for tuning in. Listen, if you would like to support us and help us channel, help this uh, broadcast go further and grow farther. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right. 
me hitting the mic. Listen, you can help us out. You can uh, become a patron. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal, and you'll see tiers where you can be able to help us for a little as a dollar a month. Also, there's a PayPal option if you'd like to know about supporting us and uh, helping us do what we do and do it good and better and greater and bigger and all that other stuff. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Um, so let's get into this last little segment here. Uh, I'm really disturbed be, by this last segment, largely because I understand. Um, I understand how we are as humans. We are, you know, we're conditioned as children to behave certain ways, believe certain things, and you know, we grow up and. Sometimes we grow out of that, sometimes we don't. But in, in America, particularly in the South, in the Deep South, where remnants of racism still permeates society, there is still exists. And I live in Mississippi. I pastor in Mississippi. There are some wonderful people in Mississippi. There are some of the most loving people and definitely most hospitable people in Mississippi. But there are pockets of Mississippi where – the, that that idea of segregation and racism and discrimination lingers and and it doesn't it's not so evident not even to those people um so there's a story that came out across uh across the the country about an event center here in Mississippi in Boonville, Mississippi and uh they have an event center there and Apparently, they host a lot of events, including weddings. But the owner said, while we host weddings, we don't host no gay weddings or no uh, mixed weddings. And it went viral. The video went viral. The people uh, watched and they, 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 they saw in disbelief. How could this be in 2019? How can somebody literally say – they don't do it because of our Christian race. Uh, I'm sorry, Christian beliefs. Our Christian belief does not allow for us to <laughs> to uh, have such a practice. And the person, in, uh, the black person in the video, is saying, "Well, I'm a Christian too." So what that means? Well, you could be a good Christian, and I could be a good Christian, but. We good white Christians still ain't going to allow for no gay folk or no interracial folk to have the venue, an event at our venue. And so the person was very, you know, she said the Bible says it and we, you know, we stand for the Bible. I'm not going to argue my faith. <laughs> uh, and you, uh, the article, you can find it in the Clarion Ledger uh, and Newsweek and several other outlets. You just Google uh, a couple denied venue or something like that. You can Google it. But anyway, and so in in the uh, in the article, in particular in the Newsweek article, that's the one I'm referencing, the the owner of the venue went to their pastor, went to the pastor, and the pastor stated to them plainly that there is no scriptural support for uh against rather Intersex, interracial marriage, and while they could say there's scriptural support for or against uh, same-sex marriage, now that's the religious component. 
the religious component, you know, in in this in this great southern area, the Bible Belt, the religious component for most white folk in generations prior to this one, to this current generation of millennials, the the religious component stated race was a part of your Christian identity. That's why they were very staunch segregationists. Their their mind and their teachings uh, somehow took scripture, both Old and New Testament, to justify their ideology and their beliefs of racial supremacy. You know, not just white supremacy, but white racial racial supremacy. And and the preacher had had to uh, <laughs> had to allow them to realize that that was not the case. Um, and believe it or not, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who still believe that and try to find support for it. Um, and for whatever reason, when they try to find support for it, they manipulate scripture to do so. That's just a standard practice. But what's the moral imperative? And I, I I bring in this argument um, again because the sincerity of the beliefs of persons like the venue owner and many other persons here in Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, and even up north. <laughs> uh, I'm just – this particular region here in the South, in the Deep South, um, it's it was, like I said before, it's deeply embedded in their religious uh, constitution and religious experience. So, so they weren't think they don't they were not thinking from the sense that it might be wrong, it could be wrong. They're thinking from the sense that. Um, this is just how it's been. That's just the way I grew up, and and even uh, the owner says that this is just the way we were raised. The races don't mix, <laughs> and you know, here, here's the funny thing: we there is a growing number of mixed couples here in the South, particularly mixed children. Um, and I know, I know of several persons who had were really, really, really disappointed when their children, their son or their daughter, got with a person of another race. You know, a white family and their daughter gets involved with a black man and has a child, or black parents and their son gets involved with a white child, white woman, <laughs> and has a child. And, and, and I'm telling you, it, it becomes very complex. And there's some there's some who have managed to, you know, work within the construct of that, but there's still some who there are there are plenty who have said, you know, we ain't having no dealings with you because you're involved with this white woman or this black man, or, uh, this black man and this white woman, what you know, or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I probably did that wrong, but I want to bring up this idea of the moral imperative. 
first, let me give you a definition of what I mean by the moral imperative. Now, I'm drawing this from uh, Paul Tillich, um, and Paul Tillich in one of his works, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Morality and Beyond. Yeah, yeah. Moral. I should know. I have this book in my library. Uh, but in one of his works, Morality and Beyond, Paul Tillich presents an argument for uh, the moral imperative, and he defines uh, the moral imperative as the command to become what one has the potential to be. In essence, uh, the ultimate desire of a person is to be a part of a community, and the moral imperative then uh, gives way to the moral act, and the moral act is um, the undergirding, the um, undergirding of uh, moral character, I guess you could say. Uh, in, in so many ways, in, in so many words, um, how we view how serious Christianity is to us is based in part of our relationship, our relationship and our relation to the world around us and this idea of belonging, this idea of fear of being separated, uh, the idea of um, not really being connected, isolated. And um, it, it uh, I, I, a better word, the world that we are, the cosmos that we are experiencing, um, the the idea of being outside of that creates a moral dilemma for us. And in, in, in that construct, we then seek out those who share that idea. And I, I'm trying to find a page here. Um, okay, here it is. The moral imperative is to demand to become actually what one is essentially and therefore potentially. It is the power of man's being given to him by nature, which he shall actualize in time and space. His true being shall become his actual being. This is the moral imperative. And since his true being is the being of a person in a community of persons, the moral imperative has this content to become a person. Every moral act is an act in which an individual self establishes itself as a person. Therefore, a moral act is not an act in obedience to an external law, human or divine. All right, so so that's how Tillich uh, defines the moral imperative. Okay, so when we get this idea of community and this idea for the need to belong, we don't want to be outside of that. And in in the South, that was uh, the the idea of racial identity was a part of that community identity. And even though it is slowly disintegrating in the South, there are pockets, as I stated before. Mississippi has come a long way. We we recently held um, – in April of this year, held an event at uh, one of the largest stadiums here in the state, uh, Memorial Stadium here in Jackson, which was an event called Unity. Uh, 
uh, was, was a night of worship, and Dr. Tony Evans came in along with prominent um, pastors from across the state, and um, even political figures from across the state were there in attendance to give the idea, to give the semblance of of uh, racial reconciliation and unity. And it was endorsed by uh, the governor of the state, who uh, was very, very enthusiastic, not only about the event, but he was, he was active in the planning of it and uh, um, making sure uh, that – now, he didn't use state funds to promote it, but he was just – uh, he's a deeply religious man himself. He's a good Methodist. <laughs> he's a good Methodist. <laughs> he's a good Methodist. But um, he um, he understood the plight of the state, the way the state is seen, and the historical relevance of what this could mean by bringing not only uh, black and whites together, but black and white churches together, working together. We planned this. Thing. I, I was a part of the planning for a number of months, and and you know we 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 were in prayer, early morning prayer, weekly prayer, daily prayer. We were in prayer, black and white, to show that to show that we are beyond this identity of a divided community of worship and the divided community of race. And well there are some who <laughs> thought it just a farce. I believe it, it it really brought to reality the idea that people are really trying to move beyond this sense. And to have a story like this come out um shines a bad light on all the efforts that went forth into promoting this sense that Mississippi really is racially progressive. Now on the flip side of that, <laughs> you had uh you had in uh in another area, I believe it's Tennessee or Georgia, I can't recall. I, I, I had the story pulled up. You had this pastor put on his sign, church sign, blacks who voted for Trump have a mental illness. <laughs> now now those of you who know me know that I am center right when it comes to uh political issues, social issues. I'm center right. I'm I'm I lean toward conservative. Um but I'm pretty much uh a classical liberal in the sense of individuality being and all that stuff and, and I am a firm affirmer, a firm a believer of separation of church and state and I, you know that I believe that there are moments in in particular and instances in particular where even I as a pastor when I was in my employment as a teacher had to differentiate my roles as pastor and teacher even though in one case I had to be employed employ both we had a tragic a tragedy with a, a student being killed and I you know even though I was it was one of my one of my dear students and this happened uh, 11 years ago um I, I got out of band director mode and went straight into pastor mode. I had to give pastoral care to my students. And the district understood that. The, the school administrators understood that. The parents understood that. And they allowed me to function in that capacity. You know, I had to be Pastor Neil for the rest of the school year. Mr. Neil, Pastor Neil didn't differentiate. I, I functioned in that capacity, giving pastoral care to the families of, of the student who was killed a family uh, uh all my students and even some uh some of the faculty and administrators it was really tough but anyway um 
So this pastor stands behind and said, you know, black folk who voted for Donald Trump have a mental illness. Now, I see, I see that as a racist statement. <laughs> I don't care if a black person said it, if it was on the sign of a black church, that's a racist statement. <laughs> because it infers that black people cannot think for themselves. It, it infers that um, black people who are independent thinking, free thinkers, um, have some type of uh, problem. Not you know he said mental illness and it, it's, it's it's the same way for those persons who you know get out of the church they they stop attending church or they're non-believers or they are they do not hold to the traditional idea of what black people should be thinking and feeling and experiencing and you know they're considered in the same light and the reality is you know the Lord created us to be part of community you know and it, we find this in and particularly in the new testament as jesus is sitting with persons who uh were not part of his initial community he said in you find in scripture particular uh in matthew in uh right before he calls matthew he's sitting there with the publicans and the sinners and you know and those persons who were declared sinners and Jesus is sitting there with them being observed by Matthew at Matthew's house and and those other persons who were religious you know were were deriding him because of it you know how is he claiming to be religious and he's sitting with sinners but Jesus found community within community. You know, he understood where he came from there, being that he came from the eternal and became a part of humanity. And in doing so, re-invited humanity to be a part of the eternal. All right? And so Jesus, he took advantage of that. And we find it even more so as he gathered with those last that last evening as he gathered with his disciples and he broke bread with them he showed communion 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 he was in communion with them in community with them and was empowering them to go out and create the same create disciples create communities reflecting who he was and what he had done that's all that's all the gospel message is. The gospel message is a message of inviting persons to be in communion with the eternal by way of the act of faith in Christ, in Jesus the Christ, what he did on Calvary, how God sent him and how he was crucified, dead, and how God raised him from the dead. By faith in that, we become a part of of divine communion with the eternal. Okay, so we cannot, you know, and it goes back to this what Batilic says about the moral imperative. You know, we we want to be a part of community. We want to identify, and the church gives us that exclusivity to do so because, as Scripture says in Hebrews, we're not to forsake the but forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're not to forsake ourselves. You know, we're supposed to gather. Uh, some would say that's a mandate. Others say that's a voluntary expression of community and commitment to the, the Christ and the discipleship. And either way, it doesn't matter. It reinforces the idea that we are a community of believers. We are a body of believers. Paul says we are one body with many members. 
expressed and articulated in different facets with one sole purpose of getting the gospel message of Jesus Christ out into the world. And so I, I call it message racist because it takes away the sense of our uh, community in 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 the most strictest sense, as I stated within the uh, definition of the moral imperative. Okay, because uh, there's no longer a centering of being. There's no longer a centering of self. There's no self-awareness in that. You get what I'm saying? I, I hope you get what I'm saying. If you do get what I'm saying, I'd love to hear you comment. <laughs> but the idea that there's a monolithic uh, way of thinking black folks should have. Now, I'm I'm going to tell you now, this is no endorsement of Trump in himself. <laughs> because the person the person of Donald Trump has a whole lot going on that I, as a pastor I cannot fathom myself ever endorsing him from a moral perspective you know I believe he's one of the most immoral persons <laughs> alive right now um that in immoral in the sense of you know not just behavior but uh you know yeah I'll take it how you want to but but the thing about it is, is that at least he's acting as an individual. He's he's not, he, you know, he stepped outside of the community and created chaos in order for a, a community to be formed. And that's what's happening. He stepped outside of the community. He created it, uh, a sense of chaos that is creating various communities because now people are in opposition. You know, you have those people. There are some who say, if you see a red hat, be <laughs> You might, you just might freak out because you don't know if that red hat has "Make America Great Again" on it or not. <laughs> and so there are some who are calling for the ban of all red hats just because it may. <laughs> I know that is crazy, right? And then there are those who are saying Trump. <laughs> oh my goodness, like Trump has stated that you know he's the chosen one, and they're saying, well, yeah, he is the chosen one. God, God is the one who raised him up. And you know when people were saying that about Obama, there were the there were those who were antagonists to that, and now we have those who are antagonists to saying that Trump was raised up by God, and there are those who are singing his praises. Trump can do no wrong because God raised him up for this hour, and yada yada so forth and so on. <sighs> Boy, that just took a lot out of me. <laughs> but but the thing about it is, the thing about it is, the thing about it is. We are in a construct of time where people are still trying to get that sense of community. They're trying, they're trying to find their moral imperative. They're trying to fulfill their moral imperative, and they're, they're, they're latching on to things that are unauthentic, inauthentic in its process, praxis. And so the ideology is just simply one-sided. You are either for or against, and you cannot – there is no middle ground, and that is antithesis to community. That is antithesis, antithetical to community. Community is meaning, and it is in essence, and um, Peck Scott, or I might say it wrong, um, Scott Peck or whatever. <laughs> and his, he has a book, and I cannot think of the name of it right now. But anyway, um. Talks about building community and how hard and difficult it is to do so. 
because it requires a little bit of chaos. It requires a little bit of consensus. And those two must work, find some, some synergy. They must find a way to create a symbiotic relationship. And in doing so, it brings about that sense of harmony, even in the midst of dissonance. It still brings about that sense of harmony. And um, I said all that to say that as Christians, we have a moral imperative to build community. But that community should not be built on ideologies of past, no matter how, you know, just because we grew up that way doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. We should evolve. We should progress. We should be willing to change, no matter how that change looks. Change is going to happen. We, we cannot stop it from happening. We may not want it to happen, but it will happen. It may not happen in our lifetime, but it, it will happen. And that is when we should be willing to realize that 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 when uh that the more aware of that we are of this need for community and we we can find it and we can create it we can create it and um built on the more imperative of the self the awareness of the self and the self-centeredness and i'm not talking about self-centered as we is understood in the most you know everyday sense self-centeredness in the in the idea of being aware of the individual self as being a part of the collective self we are a part of a collective whether we choose to or not and that collective is the human race humanity is what connects us all we all bleed the same we all cry, we all grieve, we all experience all those emotions, the deaths of a human experience. We all have, we all share. And that is what should undergird this sense of our moral imperative. As Cain said in the Old Testament, am I my brother's keeper? Of course, with the full knowledge that what he had done to his brother and God being fully aware of what he had done to himself, his brother, Cain still asked, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? And I, the scripture does not answer that question. God does not answer that question like, yeah, you are. It doesn't answer that question, but it does state that, look, while you may not feel like you're the, your brother's keeper, the blood of your brother is crying out. It's crying out to me. I'm hearing it. And why you does not why you do not feel an obligation because of the act that you committed against your brother, that act is crying out for redemption from your violence. And I'm I'm really just going out on a tangent with that. But anyway, I said all that to say that we have a moral imperative to move beyond this this sense of faction that we create that's created by us in order to bring some sense of reassurance that we belong and we do belong we do belong we belong as long as we breathe the earth the lord provide uh, the air 
the Lord provides for us to breathe. We belong. We belong. All right, so I'm going to get off on that. Again, I want to invite you to uh, join us on our, uh, our social media, Twitter, uh, at Zero Radio for the show handle, at Lorenzo T. Neal for my personal handle, also on Facebook, uh, Zero Network on Facebook, and Dr. Lorenzo T. Neal. Uh, on Facebook and all other social media. Again, if you want to email us, if you have topics that you'd like to see us uh, discuss or have us discuss on the show, email info.zme at gmail.com and uh, we should get that and we'd love to share in uh, your thoughts. So be sure and listen to archive shows. Uh, you can listen to all podcast outlets, uh, iPod, Apple, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all of that. You can listen to, and we appreciate your support again. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to Patreon uh, slash Lorenzo T. Neal. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. That We're working on getting merch, and um, uh, we also have a YouTube channel. Go to the Zero Today channel on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and uh, follow on that. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all know what to do. But uh, I have got to get out of here. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Um, and we're grateful. Again, we're grateful for every opportunity we get to do this. So until next time, this is Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I am out of here. Blessings. I'm, 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 I'm.